Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacking. My name is Dr. Matt Hammett, wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner Aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with Today's me today. Training is so let's get into the training. training. This is part two of Dynamism Biohack Faulty Rat Science. Let us examine a few examples of how cancer would be different in rats and humans. Scientists use rats and other animals to test certain chemical used in households or factories to test cancer, causing potential or environmental pollutants. Here again, Problems lie in this model. Rats are poor predictors of human cancer risk for many reasons I have already covered in the last training. And some studies, studies suggest that these tests on rats and other animals agree only 70% of the time. But the problem with this theory is that rats are prone to different types of cancers than those affecting human beings. For example, the second leading cause of cancer death in people in the United States is spontaneous colon tumors. But this is almost non-existent in rats and other rodent species. Why? Again, the vast difference between organ structure and function, metabolism, and on and on. We're going to dive deep into this stuff with part two of Dynamism Biohack faulty rat science. Dynamism is the enthusiastic quality or charism that dynamic people possess that characterizes them by their vigorous action and progress. They step outside that it's genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach into what I call true health. This is the health class your doctor doesn't know, the wellness prevention and health promotion solution, how to get and stay well for a lifetime. That's dynamism. Another example for our argument includes the difference in bladder cancer between rats and humans. Male rats have two specific proteins that humans do not synthesize, which makes rats more prone to bladder cancer. It is the high concentrations of alpha-2-U-globulin and albumin found in rat urine. J.A. Swenberg from the Chemical Industry Institute of Toxicology writes, and let me quote him, Humans do not synthesize alpha-2U, therefore a direct, a direct extrapolation of rat data cannot be made. Yet they do it anyway. In the male rat, the liver manufactures the alpha-2U <laughs> globulin, these big words, you know, it then gets secreted into the blood. While it is in the blood, it travels to the kidney and it filters into the urine. And this changes the entire spectrum again. You can't use this for rats. Yet we do it anyway, don't we? So rats, the test results that don't apply to humans. And I'm not alone on this. That's the good news. Yay! The authors by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is a group of medical doctors and PhDs, state 
that rat test results do not apply to humans and they are calling for newer models and research. They cite 20 distinct differences between rats and humans which make it difficult if not impossible to extrapolate rat studies to use for human standards. The result is evident. Animal test results do not apply to humans. The third leading cause of death in the United States is strokes. Yet when we try to understand why we cannot seem to beat this disease, we need to look at our scientific disciplinary strategy. And once again, we find the problem. Strokes are rare in rats and other animals. In fact, even the conditions that lead up to a stroke in human rarely develop in rats and other animals. Despite these differences, science still developed animal models for a stroke. And again, according to the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, the scientific community has severely criticized the usefulness of animal models. Researchers at the University of Iowa and the Mayo Clinic have something to add to this position. I quote them. Although animal models of cerebral ischemia have been used extensively to test new therapies in human stroke, the record for identifying clinically effective drugs has been disappointing. No kidding. In fact, they developed 25 different compounds in laboratory animal models of stroke. Not even one of them worked on humans. These authors even add that an over-reliance upon such models may impede rather than advance scientific progress in the treatment of this disease. There is one other major important difference I'm going to share. I believe part of our problem in tackling the third leading cause of death in the United States stems from the ignorance to basic science between differing species. Now, we must examine the essential difference between rats and humans as I am. Listen, if you are a true doctor, you must respect natural law and the order of ecology in life. We are animated earth. In diet, well, rats require 20 to 27% of their calories as protein for a maintenance diet. Our medical model view suggests humans need 8 to 10% of their calories as protein. Of course, this is not agreed upon depending upon which expert you talk to. That is a different show altogether. So in body mass index, baby rats grow 5 to 6 grams per day in weight. That equates to about 10% of their body weight. Human children grow much more slowly, about 5 grams per day, which is 0.000025% of their body weight. At this point in today's show, there is simply no argument. Rats are not miniature humans. Why don't scientists understand the significant difference between differing species? How can we continue to attempt drug extrapolation techniques from studying different species? Once again, this rat paradigm is just not adding up. And once again, 
These are just not my comments, guys. These are medical doctors and PhDs with these comments. Rats produce their milk with mammary tissue extending from the upper chest to the abdomen, which would vastly change how they produce milk for the sustenance of the young when compared to humans. The ratio of a rat to human lifespan is 1 to 30. Even the skin between species has different developmental origin, structure, and chemical composition. For example, the skin is an organ of the integumentary system made up of multiple layers of ectodermal tissue and guards the underlying muscles, bones, ligaments, and internal organs. In humans, skin is useful for wound healing. The reception of estrogen promotes the speed and quality of wound healing in human skin. In rats, they have thin skin and lack the outer keratinized layer that humans have. The outer layer, well, it serves as a form of a waterproof, kind of a protective wrap over the body surface. And most importantly, it serves as a barrier to infection with many other specialized cells. Therefore, infection and other protective methods of skin differ vastly and would once again compromise lab results. Now that's important when we're talking about applying uh, chemicals on our skin. Most of these things that we put on our skin come from rat studies and animal studies. And as you can see, this is not a validity. This is not valid. You're getting that. Rats have a non-convoluted cerebrum. While the human brain has extensive convolutions indicating the degree of cortex development. Uh, yeah, we are smarter, right? Rats incisors grow continuously and they do not get plaque as humans do if fed a regular diet. They also do not develop a spontaneous periodontal disease. I can only imagine medical authorities 50 years ago telling the public not to have a dentist scrape plaque off your teeth because they claim there is no evidence for this. They might add that the dentist is just after your money. Well, my father-in-law recently retired from dentistry and shared that story with me because he first began practicing 50 years ago and the medical community of that time criticized dentistry for making those claims against scraping plaque. Sounds very similar to what they did to chiropractic and the Flexner report of 19, uh, early, early 19th century, which we discussed in an earlier training, doesn't it? But what's comical about this if your evidence comes from the almighty rat study and rats can't get tartar and plaque because of their difference in species variation, well, they don't care. Technically, their evidence would support that scraping plaque is not scientific. Interesting, isn't it? And we continue to hear doctors sounding just like this today. Most of these doctors, they honestly just don't know. This stuff is not brought up in medical school or even chiropractic school for that matter. If that's not enough to convince you of the scientific bullying based on erroneous rat and animal studies, let me continue. 
there are significant reproductive differences between species as well when we compare species differences for reproductions. Rats have a double horn uterus. Humans do not. They also have two services and 8 to 14 babies in a litter. Imagine you having 8 to 14 babies out of your womb. <laughs> Humans have only one cervix and typically one baby. There are also vital organs which rats lack that humans possess. Have you ever wondered where we got the idea that humans don't need tonsils? Whew. Guess what? Rats do not have tonsils. And perhaps that is where we got the great idea that humans don't need their tonsils and let's just rip them out. Boy, did we get that wrong. Rats are more susceptible to respiratory pathogens because they are nose breathers. They also do not have the ability to vomit. And being unable to vomit, they are more vulnerable to ingested toxins. And these examples of differences between rats and humans explain how unique species differences in basic anatomy and organ function will always yield differing results. By no means is the orchestrated science real evidence for humanity. Therefore, we need a new way to evaluate science. And thankfully, other scientists from many different disciplines, like the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and Lifestyle Chiropractic Scientist, I bet you didn't know such a thing. Oh, yes, there is. Right? You know, at this point, let me stop depressing you and let's start focusing on the new solutions. If you haven't figured it out yet, again, I'm not alone with these ideas. Leading researchers posted their results titled The Western Diet and Lifestyle and Diseases of Civilization. This is a classic. And they concluded that our ancestors, human ancestors, had the following characteristics. They found that regular sun exposure was important, except for the Inuit, whose very high intake of vitamin D3 from fish and marine mammals may have rendered the lack of ultraviolet-stimulated cutaneous vitamin D synthesis less relevant. But they found sleep patterns were in sync with the daily variation in light exposure, right? Acute as opposed to chronic stress. Most of us have chronic stress. You would have heard my training on stress for a friend in an earlier training. Look for it. And of course, regular physical activity. As this was required to obtain food and water, to escape from predators, for social interaction and to build shelters. And finally, well, they have a lack of exposure to man-made environments. See, our ancient bones teach. So at this point in the training, we have a dire need for change. And human research is always better than studying rats and other various animals and species. Don't get into all the pig data and the chimpanzees and don't even get me going there. 
I went there on a video that I did on animal research. Check it out on Facebook. I talk about that. Some of the uh, cures they found in chimpanzees um, who are supposedly supposed to be the closest to our, our, our DNA as humans. And yet none of them, none of them worked for humans. And in some of the cases, gave it to the human and killed the human. Anyway, check that out on Facebook, right? So... It's time to look at what we have. What are the tools that we have? What, what are the tools that we can use and look for a new solution? And one such solution into humanity, for humanity, comes from studying ancient healthy humans. Research techniques that led our discovery of dinosaurs lend a hand to our new knowledge of our ancient human ancestors. New technology has uncovered the secrets to our ancient past that was once locked away. Technologies like anatomical, biomechanical, and isotopic analysis of the different human skeletons have paved a new model toward understanding human health. By combining new technology with various academics, like the archaeological and geological, the evaluations of our ancient habitats, and ethnographic studies of various hunter-gatherer societies. A new method of human analysis is now possible. Now, I stated earlier that the agricultural revolution began, they say, about 11,000 years ago in the Middle East. Its method of farming sprouted many benefits to the wide-scale effort of food production and later spread to other regions of the globe. This movement drastically altered the diet and lifestyle that had shaped the human genome for a millennium. Some of the more significant dietary changes were the use of cereal grains as a staple food, the introduction of non-human milk, domesticated meats, legumes, and other cultivated plant foods, and later widespread use of sucrose, alcoholic beverages, leisure, and sedentary lifestyles. Some of the more significant lifestyle changes included medicalization of life, modern medicine, and various synthetic compounds and pollutants mostly derived and tested from research on animals. Nevertheless, it was the Industrial Revolution with the widespread use of refined vegetable oils, refined cereal grains, refined sugars, and our comfort-driven sedentary lifestyle that gave rise to the modern age. The junk food industry generalized physical inactivity, the introduction of various pollutants, mainly drugs, the avoidance of sun exposure, reduced sleep time and quality, coupled with increased chronic psychological stress, brought about the most, let me repeat that, brought about the most disruptive and maladaptive changes of our evolutionary time and our history as a species. These stressors in the science, in the evidence, are associated with chronic low-grade inflammation, 
which is one of the leading causes of insulin resistance. Low-grade chronic inflammation is involved in all stages of the atherosclerotic process and is being increasingly recognized as a universal mechanism in various chronic degenerative diseases, such as autoimmune diseases, certain cancers, neuropsychiatric diseases, and osteoporosis, and on and on. Scientists from all over the world also warn of certain environmental pollutants, including pesticides and various industrial chemicals, which act as endocrine disruptors. These forms of pollutants are suspected of playing a causal role in hormone-dependent cancers such as breast and prostate cancer, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease, insufficient sleep, fewer than 6 hours per 24-hour day, is also associated with chronic low-grade inflammation and worsening insulin resistance, as well as an increased risk for obesity, type 2 diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. One study showed that 28% of the United States adults sleep 6 or fewer hours per 24-hour period. I want you to do it more like 8 or 9 hours. Moreover, social and work pressures, as well as exposure to artificial light at atypical biologic times, meaning you got the light on when it's dark, when it's nighttime, it's midnight, you get the light on, right? This, this causes a disruption of the normal circadian rhythm and is believed to play a key role in various diseases. So the relativist idea that sleep or parts of it are optional should be regarded with caution. Regarding dietary changes, it should be mentioned that in the United States, dairy products, refined sugars, cereal grains, especially the refined form, vegetable oils, and alcohol constitute up to 70% of the total daily energy consumed. You live by the Western diet, you will die by the Western diet. Again, as pointed out by Dr. Lauren Cordain, he's a scientist who specializes in the fields of both nutrition and exercise physiology. And he says, and I quote him, these types of foods would have contributed little or none of the energy in the typical pre-agriculture hominid diet, our ancestors. The technologies like anatomical, biomechanical, an isotopic analysis of the different human skeletons and the new model I am proposing in this training moves us toward understanding and promoting human health. Since the founding of the five pillars of a dynamic health strategy, we are not just a kind of a, an anti-vivi section. We are pro-science and pro-alternative toward scientifically superiority with a focus on improving the health and well-being for humanity. Our message is clear. There is a better way to promote human and animal health than the current sickness disease paradigm, which is outdated, cruel, and an ineffective use of animal in research, testing, and education as proven by the same doctors who do it. So how do you distinguish an expert opinion that you may hear on the radio or see on TV? It certainly is not his or her good looks. 
It's not their charism or charm. You focus on one question. Are the studies they point to human or animal studies? And are they relevant to the claims they are making? That's a whole nother show. <laughs> As to the amount of claims being made by doctors, I tell you, I've seen it even on WebMD, right? I've seen it in the natural health circles a lot also. But they make a claim and they support it with this references that doctors never take the time to read. They read the bold words from these studies. They never read the whole study. It would take too long, right? So they, they take advantage of that and they make their claim. And then in the references below, if you did take the time to actually read those studies, I'm telling you, 90% of the time, those references they claim have nothing to do with what they're claiming. Nothing. Until next time, lighten up, move better, and live fuller. If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net. And also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health. The health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries. The solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohacking.